Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast, Monumental Milestone, episode 100. We did it. Very special achievement for this podcast. Did not have a lot of goals going into this journey. Not a lot of goals at all. But I think of three things that stuck out to us way back in 2018. It's now 2020. The world has gone to shit. And this podcast is still rolling along. Anyways, the three milestones that we looked at for success. One, have someone from some random place email us. Again, these goals are not lofty, but this is where this is how low our expectations were. So one, have someone from some random place email us. Check plus on that box. Let's not forget Lindell, super fan from Australia, who I don't think has listened since we did Friday Night Lights, doesn't matter. Super fan from Australia reached out, our biggest and furthest away Australian fan. That was amazing. Number two, seem professional. So fake it till you make it kind of thing. I would like to say that's a checkbox because we have a sponsorship. Hello, shout out Wicklow Wear, no big deal. We have our very own swag, baseball tees mugs, sweatshirts, tanks, literally have stuff for every single season. And we have our own original logo, an unreal IG Photoshop account. Check us out, Vicarious Living Podcast on Instagram. And the audio quality. Since we've had to move to Zoom calls, it's not as crisp. But what I will say is from where we started with a one microphone setup, The acoustics were horrendous. Uh, There was an echo that you could hear for about the first like 50 podcasts. (laughs) And now we got the cans on. We got the two microphones set up and it's just professional AF. So checkbox on number two. And then number three, this is the one that we hit tonight. Reach 100 podcast episodes. Check, check, check. We did it. So I am so excited. I have OCD. So I always just had it in my head of just get to 100. And then literally everything after that is complete gravy. I don't really care. I I can stop at any point now and I will feel satisfied that I reached that just overall quantity goal. So yeah, sure. I don't know if quality is there, but the quantity we have now hit triple digits. No big deal. Okay. First and foremost on this pod, got to take care of a little business, housekeeping, contact information by carrysomethingpod at gmail.com. And to get all of our swag and to look at all of our sweet photoshops, you go to by Podcast on Instagram. For this big milestone episode, in my head, it only made sense to go to one place and that one place is to go back home. Where'd this podcast start? This podcast started with one of the greatest teen drama shows of all time, Fox's very own 2003, The O.C. 
We are going to go back to the OC tonight, where it all started, set up on how the pods are going to go over the next few weeks because scheduling is getting a little weird. We wanted to go back to the OC. We're going back where we left off. We did the first two seasons on this pod, so we're going to do the first episode of season three tonight. Then there's going to be some simultaneous pods running where Zerb and I are going to watch Amazon's The Boys season two, and we're going to watch it live and recap those episodes each week. Quick hitters, 15 to 20 minute pods, just recapping The Boys episodes. So we'll hit the OC here, get it started, do it right, episode 100, and then eventually come back to the OC in the next few weeks and we'll jump back in to season three. Okay, upfront business taken care of. Now it's time we had to have a special guest for episode 100 on the VL pod. There was no other way to do it other than to get one of the OGs of the Vicarious Living podcast, co-founder and co-pilot through some of the hottest VL teen content known to mankind. This guest was here for the OC, Friday Night Lights, One Tree Hill, Beverly Hills 90210, and Smallville. He's still in the original intro for this podcast, a Midwest dude. Stickiest fingers to ever throw on the podcasting cans. The pipes to my wind, Pat H. I was going to jump in first and foremost with a little champagne. Oh, love it. Pop those bottles, dude. Let me see how this sounds audio-wise. Let's see how your cork skills are. Fuck. 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 That was pretty nice, actually. Pretty clean. Pretty clean. Uh, about seven seconds into that attempt right there, I was getting pretty worried about your audio equipment. It looks like yep. uh, you're good. So I'm going to drink this out of the VL mug. Okay, fitting. Anyways, uh, okay. So I thought we could kick this off with a reminisce on our journey. Because we haven't e- Dude, this podcast is so successful. And we haven't even told our story about how it came about, what those early days were like. And how we got here to the most professional, awesome teen podcast in all the land. So yeah, I'm. By the way, I'm super glad that I bought in on that stock early. Yeah, you know, right. like as part of my package, like you know, cut me in on about what was it, twelve percent ownership, and uh, what's that worth now? Like a couple mil. Yeah, at you least. were at twelve. I think I was at like thirteen, and somehow intern Whitney just got an unreal piece of the pie, and she owns like seventy percent of the podcast. I don't even yeah, know how she's, it happened. She's pretty crafty like that. We kind of yeah. got fucked over, but hey, we're all rich now, so so <laughs> so all that swag money that we have. Um, okay, the it was only two years ago. So when we talk about the early days, it's not ancient history, obviously. But I cannot. I was trying to think. I don't remember what the like spark was to get this started do you i do well it goes way way back for like the past 10 years of every time we would be around each other and get at least three to four drinks in us 
Mm -hmm. We would start talking about how our destiny was to start a teen drama pod. Oh yeah. And then like, just go into like throwing back and forth all of our takes. Like, obviously it needs to be by a body of water. Mm. Um, Just like basically laying out all the rules for a teen drama. And then, um, so we kind of had the framework for a while, like way too long. And then I think the inspiration might've been me getting that microphone for like a birthday gift one time. Oh, was that it? Did we just, did I see it at your house? It it might've just been like, I had the microphone and the next time we had three to four beers in us and started talking about it, all of a sudden there were no barriers. Like at that point I had the microphone, I had the blue Yeti and it's just like, Oh, well like, let's just do it. Yeah. I, for some reason, I don't remember that as clear because it probably meant that it was just a totally casual, like (laughs) it wasn't like a big spark. It was just like simple math equation of there's a microphone uh, to do this. It's a, probably a simple Google one Google away from like what software you use. <laughs> and then there's the <laughs> microphone. So what's like, stopping us now? Like we're basically it. like seemingly at least 85% of the U S population has a podcast. So it can't be that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That uh, is true. We got in while uh, the iron was cooling down. <laughs> but the iron wasn't too hot when we got in so we got in at the right time dude we got in on the downswing of podcasting and if you remember uh our training wheels where we basically watched a show out of the oc and then banked like 10 episodes yeah and we kept telling ourselves like we'll listen back to these if they suck no one will ever hear them and then we just released them it took the pressure off because both you and i were even though we were like three or four beers deep uh, we we're so fucking nervous of just like, <laughs> just like having our thoughts captured for like consumption. I know that was my biggest feeling when we put out those first 11, which were, yeah, we banked the whole first season, of the OC put out the initial 11. And I remember just thinking the fear of like, oh, anyone can consume this and judge the fuck out of me. It's not going <laughs> to be my just my close friends hearing my drunken thoughts about the OC. Like when the five of us are sitting around watching TV, it's like anyone could listen to it and just see how big of a douche I am. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So So luckily for us, we let the, the entire world know how big of douches we are. Yeah. So I, yeah, but I do, I, I, I do remember that like the first few we list, we would like record it and we were doing, doing it for like 30 minutes. We would record it and then listen to the entire thing back and then just laugh like on we put we'd hooked it up to your speaker and would listen to it back just cracking up at our own takes and thoughts so <laughs> weird thinking back cuz now how the setup kind of goes is people come into the podcast some of them get way too drunk and then when they're leaving it's like hey just on the edit back can you just make me not sound as drunk and lame as yeah like, come on do me do me a favor here do me a solid yeah so i think that was interesting i think that really turned the corner when we got sponsors we got swag officially and two mics set up got the cans got this sweet focus right mixer i mean mixing the audio like a champ and now I feel like we're, yeah, now we're probably the number one teed podcast like that, that exists. And I feel like we, we're grinding pretty good. And there was a couple pretty big moments that I'd like to loop back and highlight that really put some extra wind in our sails. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to try and hit the ones I remember. And if I'm missing any, just let me know. Um, the first and probably most exciting was a like from none other than the OC's Tate Donovan. Oh, God. Fuck yeah. I'm going to, on all these OC pods, I'm going to tag the fuck out of him on Instagram and yeah. then just hope I get another like. Because that, that'd be that a dream be awesome. come true. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was big. Um, we got a comment from Irene Marie. Oh, is, yeah. is the owner of the modeling agency and one of the main characters on a not as often celebrated teen drama reality show called eighth and ocean that we did a whole season of completely forgot about that yeah that was wild and, and then i didn't even tag her i just put hashtag irene marie on our eighth and ocean post and clearly she follows the irene marie hashtag and saw it <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we, that, after that point, we realized that like our sweet spot of getting likes and interaction on social media was basically the actor or celebrity who has somewhere between 3,000 and 12,000 followers, and yeah. it's basically just like a souped-up version of a regular person. Yeah, so now knowing that, we can talk about some losses for us, because once we found that sweet spot of like 3000 to 8,000 followers or whatever your, your range was, um, Billy Riggins was a tough non him, him not liking anything that I tagged him in for Friday night lights on Instagram. That one was a blow because we felt like we had, yeah, we had solved that a Rubik's cube or equation (laughs) on, on who, what celebrities we can target and then we realized fuck tate donovan he's probably like an outlier (laughs) right yeah we did we did take a lot of swings billy riggins was a pretty sad miss because it was yeah yeah, we had him targeted in our sights and i don't even know what he's up to now it can't be much Um, so and then the last thing that is just i would say this is probably if i was ranking the top 10 most exciting moments of my life was an email from a listener in Australia. Yeah. Which put a gigantic bold check mark in one of our like kind of starting off mission statement goals. We got a listener and we got a response <laughs> from someone completely out of the blue that wasn't one of our friends. And not even in this country. Not even in this country. I mean, that's basically success. Like we could retire if we Yeah. Want. I, I talked to, I, so I, similar to you, I had these level of like achievements or goals or whatever. And I I had three of them that I recapped in the intro on this pod. The bit, the big one was having, we always, we, we always uh, penciled in Nebraska is like the key state for us of like, if we could just get a random viewer in like nowheresville, Nebraska or Idaho and just like get them to email us. Cause we really wanted an email. Because the Instagram, it's like everyone's sliding into DMs. It's not even cool. Like anyone who wants a dick pic slides into a DM. We really wanted the email. (laughs) That means they had to hear the pod to get it. They weren't just trolling Instagram, trying to get likes or followers or whatever. Like so many people, it's they had to hear us on the pod and physically take the time to reach out. So that was amazing. There's like four or five steps involved. And Oh, yeah. I don't know if she's listening anymore. Actually, she's probably not because it mixed in with her extremely nice complimentary email was a line about how she she was only in it for the Friday Night Lights episodes and yeah. probably wouldn't be listening anymore. 
but yeah. still she will never know that that was earnestly one of the top 10 highlights of my entire life she would if she listened to the lars and the real girl podcast <laughs> because i think I, I think i went on for a solid 20 minutes on how much it meant to me uh from from miss lindell in australia but yeah she'll never hear it she'll never know how important she was to this podcast wow um, okay, last thing. So I have gotten a million questions. I never know the answer or the right answer. So after Smallville, you decided it was time to hang up those podcasting boots. So these podcasting boots I've accomplished. You were like Derek Jeter, who had hit, hit, hit like 3,500 hits. And he was like, you know what? I just don't have the love of the game anymore. I'm 35. I just want to date Minka Kelly. And like go to some cool parties. So I'm out playing for the Yankees. Obviously, this podcast is the Yankees. So AJB came on last week or last podcast, and he said, Look, you didn't even address it on the pod. You didn't even say like what the fuck happened. It was one day you had a podcast co pilot, and then one day you're just a solo guy. So can you help AJB out? Let him know once and for all, what your thought process is and how you came to the conclusion. I can. I, I feel like the podcasting community has been clamoring for an answer about this. It's um, been I was anticipating definite, this yes. question, for sure. And actually, AJB was the first person to ask me about this. I don't know if he called me or if we were just talking randomly, but he's like, literally, I couldn't help but notice. Where are you? <laughs> verbatim what he said to me and i had no idea he was a listener until like four weeks ago so yeah he was uh, clocking it uh the easy answer is twofold it was like a uh weird stretch of two or three weeks of my life where things were just completely crazy and i could not find uh three hours in a week to do a pod which is actually kind of pathetic and then the yeah. more important thing is i feel like i was holding you back I feel like I needed to clip the strings that were myself and let you emerge the butterfly podcaster that you are. And I had hoped, hoped against hope that you would continue and like I could come on as like a very popular, very often, uh, I guess, basically I want to come on as the most um, requested guest. Most decorated. Most or quantity wise, you have the most quantity. Yeah, I kind of want to step back into a role as the number one guest. And I want to take a step back and put you into the spotlight where you belong. <laughs> so all uh, making me feel uncomfortable aside, I will say that I did not know where you stood on wanting to come back. So, and, and your life has not slowed down one iota. <laughs> That's true. I feel like the, the, that two to three week stretch where, where your life was out of control has it's probably only gotten i mean fuck we're in a we're in a global pandemic you're selling your house right now literally we can't get one piece of positive news to fucking happen in 2020 <laughs> so yeah i i kind of knew where you stood in terms of hanging up the the co-pilot boots day yeah. in and day out but i didn't know was, where you stood moving forward so was, honestly it was honestly a decision made with you in mind because it was me starting to feel guilty about how I was like trying to make you reschedule um, these podcast episodes and being the difficult one of like, Oh shit, actually I can't do it this week. Can we push it? Can we do something else or canceling last minute? 
and then also having you do the marketing, selling <laughs> our swag, making those millions, mm. doing our media posts, doing our edit, doing a majority of the talking because I'm kind of a uh, kind of like an interjection guy. So I was just like, this is BD's thing. I just needed to be his, and then I come on whenever he wants me. But to answer your first question, I'm a hard end to come on whenever. Okay. I'll, uh, uh, so I appreciate those kind words. I never think, I don't think of it as anything other than I just have OCD. So me doing all that stuff <laughs> is just how I live my fucking life and it sucks. That's how I think about that. But yes, I will pencil you in. I'd like to get you to come back on for some of these OC pods. I think that only makes sense. Duh. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll work it out on some sort of cadence. But do you no, like that's how good. I knew? Do you not like how I knew that I could get out of that tough question by just complimenting you and make you feel uncomfortable? Yep, yep. <laughs> that's the only thing. To but do. yeah, it was funny in my mind. I figured it was more like I could kind of like pull the ejection seat and kind of parachute to safety. And then um, it turned out because it was like I think we had the conversation. We talked for like two hours, and then the next week it was just I was out. And then I don't know, we hit for a couple of weeks. Um, COVID hit like listening. at that same time. What? COVID hit like at that yeah, exact same time. Weird timing. But so my ejection uh, from the cockpit turned out to be kind of like the ejection in Top Gun where Goose hits the, uh, the <laughs> lid of the plane and fucking crushes his brain and drowns in the ocean. Yeah. So it wasn't as smooth as I had hoped, but. Well, what, I think two things. One, yeah, we should have, for AJB's sake alone, we probably should have at least covered off on the pod like what the new setup was because we did spring that on the kids pretty pretty abruptly. So it was a it was an abrupt ejection that we all died on. But um two, I think it was good because it's kind of like you gotta find your own path kind of thing. Yeah. So I think in my head, I had only viewed it through the lens of like it's a duo. It's a it's a duo. It's a partnership. Every Instagram post or whatever, I always had in mind like both of us. So I think that was the hardest part for me was figuring out. Oh, now I'm just gonna look like a narcissistic piece of shit. Like I have a a solo podcast. Just and all my Instagram posters can be me. So I think it was good to eject fully because it forced me to find my own path of like, oh, I just can take myself out of Instagram posts and just if a guest comes on just maybe feature them or whatever. And, and anyways, you just find your own way of doing it. So I think in the long run, it makes sense to do it that way. But yeah, Goose died like a horrific death. Goose did. Ejection sucked. I mean, he sure did. Um, by the way, the moment I realized that I made the right decision was the Coyote Ugly solo podcast. Yeah, that was... I don't know. I don't know if many people have listened to it, but it was no. a work of art. You talked for an hour and a half straight by yourself very eloquently about Coyote Ugly and had at least 10 to 15 takes that made me laugh out loud. And I was just, couldn't have been happier. Well, no, I appreciate that. That was uh, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. It was the most awkward thing I've ever done in my life. And, uh, but yeah, I wanted to do it. Like, I, again, just checking off these milestones of like, fucking can I do it? Can I sit there and, I always felt like I could talk to a brick wall, but like, can I actually for an hour? And so, yeah, it was a, I would say that is the difference between me and me and you, you can do a hour and a half long solo coyote ugly podcast and it totally hits a home run. 
And every single time I start talking, I'm nervous that I'm not going to be able to think of words to finish my sentence right. when, that, when that red light's on. That's why we're a good duo, dude. It's a good partnership. <laughs> <laughs> I'll finish your sentences for you. All right. Well, yeah. cheers. Good, good stuff. We got through the intro. That's a cheers. Episode 100. Drink it down. Champagneg. Now let's get into why we're fucking here. We're here to discuss the greatest teen drama television show to ever touch the small screen. And to do that, we need to do a quick character refresh. We never did a character breakdown when we started this podcast because we were so nervous for the words that were coming out of our mouth. So right now, let's do a character breakdown for this show. Marissa Cooper. These are going to be quick hitters because everyone has already heard. They know who these characters are. So I only wrote down like one or two things on each of these people. So yeah. And in our defense, when we first started this, it was an assumption that anybody we cared about, like anybody who was cool, would have seen the OC and that is all the characters. Yeah. I mean, shame on us. Let's do our due diligence for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll cover our bases. But yeah, if you haven't seen the OC, I think we're both comfortable just saying like, what are you doing with your life? Marissa Cooper. uh, First thing I, well, one, she is the inspiration for the NCITW. When we started this podcast, I only came up with one segment to start off. And it was, I just need to have an award for who sucks the most in whatever we're watching to the degree that Marissa Cooper sucks in every single episode of the OC. That's my take on her. She blows. Is the all-time worst girlfriend. Um, I think, and I'm trying to remember back, did she get the award every single episode or did it go out to other people? I believe she did and I didn't change it until uh, we moved on to Friday Night Lights. But yeah, I'm very comfortable. Like She's... She's such a bad character that that's what I think it was. I think you were able to find some horrible thing that she did every single episode pretty easily. 100%. And yeah, she's teen angst on steroids. That's, she's the worst, like you said, she's the worst girlfriend of all time. And she has so much angst wrapped up inside of her that she's just like an angst powder keg ready to explode at all times. So she sucks. Uh, number two, Seth Cohen, Adam Brody. Witty, charming nerd who's been in love with Summer since forever. Summer Roberts. This guy, I would say, was probably one of the biggest winners coming out of the OC because no one knew who he was and, and, and all ladies were obsessed with him forever. Archetype for the nerd who's also cool and hot. Yeah, which is now like uh, a, something that's used in like everything. Yes. Third person aforementioned, Summer Roberts. She is uh, one of the hot, popular girls that started out on this show as a guest star was so dynamite that Josh Schwartz decided she's got to become one of our core four. Absolutely. And I feel like that's a theme that carried through some of the other shows. We'd use that as a reference for somebody, quote unquote, getting the shot. Some people capitalized, some people didn't. She was so out of Seth's league that it also started that whole thing of like just slaying the girl out of your league with like witty, 
funny charm and sarcasm and irony. And it was like, fuck, that's the only chance we have <laughs> because we're yeah. never going to, we're literally never going to get a girl with just our, our overall good looks. <laughs> so, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be an uphill battle. It's going to be an uphill battle. So it gave dudes like you and I like real hope of like, dude, we can do this if we play this, if we play it right. Listen, I just need to string together like five good jokes in a row and have some good luck and, and I'm in. Yep. And then she'll make the biggest mistake of her life. And then you make sure I wear long sleeve shirts underneath short sleeve shirts. Yeah. God, what a pioneer he was on that front. Never just wore a t-shirt. I think the pilot episode of season one is the only time I ever see, saw him just wearing a plain t-shirt with nothing underneath or, or, you know, another, no other bells and whistles. Um, number four of the core four, Ben Buttons, McKenzie, Ryan Atwood. I have no idea why we started calling him Ben Buttons. I think it's because we were struggling to come up when we were drunk in the moment. One podcast, we were struggling to come up with his last name, McKenzie. So we just started calling him Benjamin Buttons and it fits forever. Brooding, wrong side of the tracks, Gino tracks, trash tracks. Super trash. Bad boy with no pec definition, though. He's all arms. And you met him. Oh, yeah. That's a new development since we did the last OC pods. Totally met Ryan Atwood in person. Uh, Just to recap the kids, this is pre-COVID, and... Every single person that came in, this is at like a Comic-Con, so you pay like $70 to go get a picture with them and then never see them again. And you wait in this line, you get up there, and then I think with as with all celebrities, he's shorter in person than like you'd think he's going to be. Like you think so of So he didn't have his uh, three-inch heel lifts on? He did not. No, he was wearing normal people's shoes. So to have him be like tinier than me was kind of like a, oh no, what? That sucks, yeah. Damn it. But the funniest thing was just pre-COVID, the amount of hand sanitizer that he doused his hands with after every lame audience (laughs) member came up, every lame couple like me and Anna who showed up like, oh my God. And I was wearing my Sandy Cohen t-shirt and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I mean, he was ahead of the curve with yeah. the, the sanitizer. Yeah. Uh, last two, let's get into the – or no, we got three more, but we'll combine these two. Kirsten Cohen, Sandy Cohen. They're like the moral guiding light of this show. Yeah. Seth's parents, they adopt Ryan in, wrong side of the tracks. Sandy's like the self-righteous lawyer who um, always does the right thing. And then Kirsten Cohen is just – Heart of Gold, who's crazy alcoholic. Real estate mogul, though. She's rich. They're always, they're, they're always just there to support and encourage the main characters. And every once in a while, it'll be like a B storyline where they're either having marital drama or personal issues. But for the most part, they're rock solid. Yeah. By the way, their marital drama, uh, looking back, it's a lot of like, uh, a lot yeah. of their drama is like a new guy or girl come into the mix and both of them just like really want to fuck someone other than who they're married to. Yeah, I, that is weird. I mean, it might point to more things. I mean, I've only been married for a year and two months-ish. Um, yep. I, don't, I don't know if a third party has been in the mix yet. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe that happens that, around like year 10. Get exciting a little bit. 
It's just like the Coens did when they got into their rut and they decided to go to a swingers party. Yeah, Sandy Cohen's got to put his watch in the bowl. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, last one, biggest one that, um, again, like Summer Roberts, she was a non-main character when she started and was so dynamite that she got worked into the overall cast. The manipulative bitch of all manipulative bitches, Julie Cooper, Nickel Cooper, Roberts <laughs> Atwood. Yeah, Ice Queen. But kind of redeeming, kind of redeeming, good heart deep down, uh, good character deep down. But uh, she's, she's one of those people that she, this is Marissa's mom, and she just like goes about everything the wrong way always. But she's got good intentions. Last ones, small characters, Caleb Nickel, RIP, Jimmy Cooper, a.k.a. Tate, the Snake Donovan, friend of this pod. Um, new characters, though, for season three, for this upcoming podcast and shows that we're going to get into for OC season three, Johnny Harper, surfer guy from a public school. Public school guy. He's in love with Marissa. Shocker. Hopelessly. Yeah. Uh, Volchek. <laughs> Let's say, say no more. Yeah. If you don't know who Volchek is. You'll you'll know him in a big way in about five podcasts. Um, Charlotte, I would say the only character with a V in their name more evil than Volchek is Voldemort. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really hot take. Yeah, yep, totally agree. Charlotte, um, she's kind of popping up a little bit in this first episode. She's like uh, at Kirsten Cohen's uh, rehab facility and. Something seems fishy with her. I can just tell. Like, I haven't seen this season in a long time, and I can just, I'm watching it. I'm like, ugh, Charlotte, the fuck is this? Seems like she's got a, a shitty MO. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Caitlin Cooper, Marissa's younger sister, who I have a fun fact on her. And then Taylor Townsend also comes into the mix in this season three. Caitlin Cooper, if I remember correctly, has like a miraculous aging situation happening. Yeah, that's a perfect transition into, uh, I never really gave any fun facts in the OC, so I'm going to give like six or seven fun facts right now, quick hitters. And I've got one in my back pocket too, so when you're, okay, you're done, shoot it over to me. The first one is about Caitlin Cooper. So the character Caitlin Cooper left the show after the first season to go away to boarding school. If you recall, it was Shailene Woodley was the actress who played Caitlin Cooper in season one. She's like Indeed. 11. When she returns almost 18 months later in season three, Ryan Atwood says that he hasn't seen her since she was 11. So she left the show when she was 11. In the next episode, the characters boosted her by a year and said, oh, actually she went to boarding school, not when she was 11, but when she was 12. So now they've already... They realized it kind of fucked up. They threw another year on. A couple episodes later, Caitlin celebrates her 15th birthday. So now we're saying, oh, technically she was 13 when she went away to boarding school. So essentially in 18 months, she aged four years. But, in, but then the actress walks in and she is clearly like 22. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like she aged 11 years. By that logic... At this point, in 2020, Caitlin Cohen's at least 712 years old. 
She had the same aging situation as Tim Riggins of Friday Night Lights, where they were yeah. just like, does anyone care? Fuck it. We're just going to. Yeah, fuck for it. sure. I think, uh, yeah, we definitely talked about that when we were doing Friday Night Lights. Like, our theory was it was stuck in some weird time portal originally caused by them just setting the characters' ages incorrectly yeah. and then realizing that they wanted their show to go on for more than one season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and scrambling. Yeah. The fact that the OC is all these characters when they're 15 as sophomores in high school in season one and uh, Friday Night Lights, it's the same thing. Tim Riggins is supposed to be 15 in season one when he's a strung out alcoholic is, is mind-blowing to think about. I've, by the way, this is a sidetrack for sure, but you've definitely mentioned this, um, but I had never seen it. Right now, um, the intern has just been plowing through episodes of Gossip Girl. Oh, really? Yeah, and um, I've noticed that of any show, they had the smoothest transition from when they graduate high school because they all just go to school yeah. in New York for college. Yeah. So it's just, there's no, there's no break. In, in Gossip Girl, school just kind of disappeared anyways midway through season <laughs> one. So they were already just kind of like in the city and, and it wasn't ever about them in the classroom and everything. So yeah, yeah they they were able to transition really easy. And then as we've talked about, One Tree Hill did it perfectly where they just fast forwarded through all the college years and just yeah. came in between seasons. They that just said, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, Gossip Girl, that is one of the things that makes that uh, a good show is that they nailed the school to drama ratio, which should mm. be 99% drama and 1% school. Like, right. If I see these kids with even a book bag, I'm pissed off. Yeah, it's, it's a good point because honestly, I kind of feel the same way when I see the kids in, in school with their, with their LL Beans on. I feel the same way in any TV or movie where characters are sitting through mass and i just i want to be i think i honest and i'm catholic both of us grew up catholic i but anytime a church scene comes up in a movie i will fast forward through it so i'm like nothing cool is <laughs> going to happen here they're just going to sing and re- recite the hymns and and then maybe hear a little bit of the priest homily and then we're going to get back to the movie so yeah yeah i feel like you saved yourself some time there and I guess what? I never miss anything because it's not like a shootout <laughs> or something cool is going to happen in a church ever. Um, all right. Let me plot through some of these other fun facts. The infamous welcome to the OC bitch. Welcome to the OC bitch. This is how it's done in Orange County. Was not a line in the original script, which I'm thinking maybe Luke just got a little crazy with an ad lib when he was in the middle of beating that. ass. Getting loose with the script. Yep. Um, so I've, I've heard this one a lot. Um, Adam Brody, who tested for the role of Seth Cohen, he originally came in and tested for Ryan Atwood. And Josh Schwartz hated him. Like, he came in unprepared. He didn't know any of the lines. And he essentially did what he does in this show is Seth. He just ad-libbed every single line and just made it up on the fly. And Josh Schwartz thought he was like a cocky, just douche, who was like smug and had a weird attitude. And they sent him away, said, fuck you. And then they had a real tough time casting Seth and they couldn't find anyone. And then eventually they had him come back in and read for Seth. And then the rest is history. Thank God. Oh, here's a crazy one. The two finalists for Marissa Cooper 
Misha Barton and one Olivia Wilde. Wow. Came that down is to a them. classic Sophie's choice. Can't go wrong there. Yeah, the writers felt Olivia Wilde was uh, too strong to play the emotionally unstable Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like just imagine having like an actually like sure of herself character in that role and there'd just be 50% less drama in the show. Yeah, totally. Because I think, yeah, half the show is how much you just, why are you doing that, Marissa? <laughs> why would you do that? Like, why are you hanging out with this guy who's clearly obsessed with you when you have a boyfriend? <laughs> Marissa, you news. sleeping in this hot surfer's bedroom is probably going to like make your boyfriend a little jealous. It's not as innocent as just two friends sleeping together under the same sheets. Uh, in the early draft of the series, Ryan Atwood was actually going to be Sandy Cohen's illegitimate child. Really? That would have been wild. That would be crazy. Who would it go against Sandy being like the moral like compass of the whole show, I think. Last one. I only thought this was interesting because I also met her while I met Ryan Atwood in person, but his wife, Marina Bacharin? Bacharin? Who knows? She's the girl from... Uh, Homeland. Yeah. yeah. Wife. She actually guest starred in season three as Maya and... Her and Ben McKenzie never had a scene together, but apparently they did meet on the set and it says he blew her off. And then they met again on the set of Gotham later in life. And Ben McKenzie had no memory of them meeting before. And now they're married and have a kid. Hey, it makes total sense. Talk about just a power move of Ryan out would be in way too cool on the OC. Yeah. You want to guess that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's probably why he had a chance. Oh, covered in, in OC broken glass. Yeah, like he probably wasn't a deck to her, but it's just like, oh, yeah, no, I didn't, like I literally didn't know you existed. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Oh, hey. Nice yeah. You. Anyways, you want to go grab <laughs> some dinner or something? I mean, yeah, wild. Yeah, so he would have definitely not had chance with her if it was any other situation because she is so out of his league. I... When I yes. met him and, and she was standing there in person and obviously they were like, do you want to get her in the picture too? And I was like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, I need this pure. I need this pure. <laughs> yeah. No, this is a Ben Buttons McKenzie picture. But anyways, her in person, dude, it was like, oh God. I've been a fan uh, since Homeland. Yeah. She had me uh She's like a Halle Berry where even when she has like a short dude haircut, it's like she's still a total smoke show. Would have been a good candidate for when we had our famous um, can a girl possibly be attractive with short hair argument. Right. I don't know. I was, I was furiously well, we, Googling images and I don't know if she came up, but yes, I find her very attractive even with short hair. I think it was Halle Berry, Charlize Theron. They were in there. Yeah. I, yeah, it's dude again. It's tough. With sure, I think it's just what's the win. Yeah, That's I mean, if you if you really want to hear us get into it, go back in the history. It's yeah. in the logs. Somewhere. It's in the logs. Forty five minutes on short hair. Yeah, yeah. We we beat that into the ground. <laughs> we beat that <laughs> horse dead as shit. All right, what's your fun fact? So uh, recently, um, I don't know why it started, but I've been watching a lot of uh, Disney movies. Like the, uh, mm -hmm. the original Disney movies, you know, your Lion Kings and your Mulans and your Hercules. 
Mm-hmm. Can you guess which character from the OC played Disney's Hercules? Oh, like in real life? The voice actor, the voice of Hercules. Oh, because I was going to say Ryan in Atwood's... the animated Disney version. Okay, because I was going to say Ryan Atwood's dad is Hercules. Oh, that's a good tie-in, though. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. That's the easy answer. But who played the voice of Hercules in the actual cartoon? Not Frank Hercules Atwood. Um, Tate Donovan? Tate Donovan. <laughs> you nailed it. I was, my clue was going to be, you don't want to trust him with your wife or your money. Figure no. that would lead you right to water, but you nailed it right off the bat. Tay Donovan plays the voice of Hercules in Disney's Hercules. Yeah, don't trust him with your wife, your wallet, or any investments, but you can trust him with the voice of a beloved Disney character. All right, dude, should we now actually jump in to season three of the OC? I really think we should. I'm going to start it off. Let's play a clip. This is the recap that they play. Uh, it's been a while. It's been two years since we left off on the OC when season two ended. If you recall, Marissa just shot her boyfriend's brother. She <laughs> ooh what you say to the fuck out of him. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's a recap of what else happened to end season two before we get into season three. Here it is. Previously on the OC. It's about your father. He's dead. She's taking it pretty hard, huh? Are you happy? Your family requested that I be here today to help them lead an intervention. We are worried that you have an addiction to alcohol. I'm so sorry that I put you through this. He attacked her, Seth, but she didn't tell Ryan because... Well, he has to know. I'm going to settle this with Trey, once and for all. A lot of crazy shit. So season three is we're now jumping back in this world where Marissa just shot her boyfriend's brother. It's fucked up. Yeah. Oh yeah. This this episode is called the aftermath, and it really much it it could have been called the fallout too. Like it's just it's them in this like haze of like what happens after that big of a moment happens, and. So they're in the hospital, they're going to the hospital, and the first thing I was thinking was, wow, Ryan Atwood got a haircut in between his girlfriend shooting his brother. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, what a, what a power move. Um, I mean, with nowadays, especially with like the Great Clips app, like you can check in, and then you don't even have to wait in line there. It's like you check in, and then by the time you drive and arrive to Great Clips, they're ready for you. So logistically the timing of it does make sense but it's just i guess it's a little um tone deaf to go get a haircut in between your brother getting shot and the hospital visit yeah like immediately afterwards yeah i i just to me that's an easy fix continuity director like what's up right i i feel to ryan's credit when you when you notice like on that day where you notice your hair is just a little too long it's just like it drives you crazy until you get a cut (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, look, man, I had it in my head that, yes, I was going to drive over and beat your ass for trying to rape my and sexually assault when you were coked out 
on the beach, my girlfriend. So I'm mad about that. So I'm going to drive over to your place. But mm-hmm. all that said, no matter what goes down at that weird shady mermaid inn, I'm not going to miss my scheduled great clips appointment. Yes, an appointment's like, an appointment. Yeah. So if someone gets shot, that sucks. But like, I'm, I'm going to go keep this appointment before I show up at the hospital with you. So, yeah, uh, but I, I don't know. I just feel like that's an easy fix. That's just throwing <laughs> a quick sure. wig on. And then <laughs> mid, midway through the episode, when things have cooled down a little bit, and he's just like chilling in the pool or something, he just said, I need a haircut. I just need, I need to get this stink off me. I need to shower. I need to get a haircut. Like, fuck it. And then, they, then, then he's got his new haircut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's especially like when you like peel back the layers of the Hollywood magic, like when you see those behind the scenes photos of like what the the set actually looks like. Yeah. Like the um the lifeguard stand isn't actually by the water, it's just on a gigantic sound stage and everything. It's just all smoke and mirrors. It's like get a wig for the men. Come on. Yeah. Couldn't do it. It was Can you it believe was we we like we waited an entire year for this episode? Can you put yourself back in that mind frame? Oh, dude. It's insane. It's, yeah, I, I do remember it. Like, she shot him at the end of season two, and it was like, what the fuck am I going to do now? Yeah. Fuck am I going to do for seven months? <laughs> Just sit here, I guess. I don't, I don't, my life is going to be so much different in seven months from now when I get to find out the fucking answer of how this unfolds. Like, what am I going to talk to my friends about during second period free bell? We've got nothing. Yeah, I mean, that was content for like literally 45 minutes of our free period was just like breaking down the episodes like we're on a podcast right now. But what, what do you think was the more dramatic ending? The ending of season one? When like Teresa was there, she was pregnant. She took Ryan away. Seth sailed away up to Portland, or this, or season two. Ooh, that's a really fucking good question. Because if you fold in the fact that that Hallelujah song's playing while he's sailing away, yep. And I'm pretty sure we had a quad montage going at that point. It was pretty dramatic, but a main character potentially murdering another main character is also quite dramatic. Um, I'm going with, like, bigger cliffhanger, I'm going with, honestly, season one. Yeah, and it was the first season, too, so... Yeah, it was more emotional. I mean, it was... Yeah, it was just more epic, I think. And you just never knew how it was going to unfold with a baby in the mix. Cause that's like a forever thing. Like with getting yeah. shot, it's like, yeah, he'll probably come back and you know, they probably will like not kill him fully when we come back in season three, but a baby's like forever. I, that reminds me actually, while I was watching this, I actually had the thought like as a TV character, there is literally no safer scenario for you to be in than being in a coma. Like, you could be yeah. walking down the street, just, you know, listening to your iPod, walking down a quiet neighborhood, and you're in significantly more danger than you would be if you were at the hospital in a coma. Because I don't think a single TV character has ever just been in a coma for an episode, an episode or two, and then just died. No. They always wake up. Always. Always wake up. And, God, if you remember in Smallville, 
I swear to God, someone was in a coma every single episode. <laughs> Always woke up. Always yeah, woke like up. that should that should officially go in the rule book. Like if you're in a TV show, specifically a teen drama, and you're in a coma, like, hey, good news, you basically have a clean bill of health. Like you'll be you'll be back a couple weeks. Right. Yeah. You're, Some you'll shit be might fine. go down while you're in that coma, but you're fine. And shit did go down when Trey was in that coma, and. For some reason, and I, I was confused when I was watching this, the DA is like, they just are hell-bent on taking down Ryan Atwood. Even ah. though everyone at the scene of the crime, all the witnesses, every witness there, corroborated the exact same story that Marissa shot Trey in the back because he was about to kill her boyfriend. And <laughs> for some reason, the DA is just not buying it. <laughs> Even though it doesn't make any sense because her fingerprints are all over the, the fucking weapon. And like, they're like, yeah, but Ryan touched it too. It's like, yeah, <laughs> look at Ryan. He is like on the verge of death. He, he said he touched it to put the safety on after she did it. But either way, like her fingerprints are on it too. And everyone's saying she shot the gun. So the DA is out of control. I do never get this. And I don't know, like, I don't know much about the legal system um, other than TV shows. Right. But it does, like, I I have no idea what that DA's motivation would be to just completely string up Ryan in this particular situation. Like, they, like, I think usually they just want an answer so that the public can feel safe. And in this case, it's like the girlfriend shot the guy. So it's like, okay, everybody's on the same page. We have an answer. All right, we're good. But for yeah. some reason, they want to like run him out of town. And I have no idea why the DA would be motivated. So we're not going to give a Ryan Phillippe on this because I don't have any other nominees. But we're just going to say that the Ryan Phillippe Practice Era Award, it goes to this fucking DA. Because it's like, dude, hey, idiot, yeah. the case solved. You get to we're go good. home at five today and yeah. eat dinner with your wife because <laughs> your job was really easy today. All the witnesses said the exact same thing. You get to go home and eat dinner, hot roast, and... Why are you at her house at like 10 at night trying to like convince her that, Hey, you know what? It was your boyfriend. Wasn't it? <laughs> I don't like that to date. That is my favorite Ryan Phillippe practice year award. Cause that's such a good point. It's like this fucking DA just must have a hard on for depositions. Yeah. She just loves doing depositions. This was a very deposition heavy episode. Case closed. It's simple. It's simple We're guy. Good. Go home. Like, Go home at five. You're, you're set. How much Solve does this guy's time. life probably suck ass? Like that he doesn't, he clearly just doesn't want to go home. Like goes home. It's like, dad, you want to toss with me? You want to like catch with me outside? I'm like, no, son. I got to solve crime. I got to yeah. solve a crack the code, son. I'm not going to toss yeah. with you. Um, it's like the police officer equivalent of like class, like the bell rang and the teacher's like, all right, anybody got any more questions? Anything good? And somebody raises their hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That cop is that guy. When you realize like, oh shit, this is about to end like 15 minutes early. The teacher's out of bullets. And then the teacher will just throw out a flyer of like, does anyone have any other, any questions? That does it for today. But does anyone, uh, before we get out of here, anyone have any questions? And you see that fucking douche in the fucking front of the room, just throw up his hand and you're like, dude, guy. It, this didn't have to go this way. We could have all left. We could have all left here. And now we're going to stay because you are a fucking practice hero. 
Yeah, dude. Um, so that's happening. The DA is just inexplicably trying to pin this murder on, on Ben Buttons McKenzie. And um, Kirsten's in rehab. Yep. Lest we forget, she had a serious drinking problem. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, this is right on brand with the show, but rehab looks pretty sick. Yep. Rehab does look pretty cool. I'm honestly just thinking about claiming alcoholism to just go chill in that sweet as fuck like rehab facility for three months. Yeah, honestly, like if that place, I'm assuming it's within like there's probably like a golf course on campus in the pool. Like you're just good. That's an awesome hack. And no one guilt trips you. You know, if they're you're like, oh, where's Brian at? Oh, he's in rehab. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like kind of like when you're on paternity leave or maternity leave. It's like, where's he at? Oh, he's, he's, yeah, he got strung out on drugs. And so he's trying to like better himself and like get off. Yeah, no more. Oh, okay. Good for him. Hey, good for him. So yeah, you just get to be there guilt free. Um, but yeah, that's where we meet this Charlotte chick where it's like something is up with her. She does not feel like she's there for the right reasons. Something right. fishy. So we're going to hold on that. Uh, the, the biggest thing with her in rehab is it's starting to seem like she doesn't want to go home. Kirsten. Yeah. 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 She, it's like she's getting used to being there, and I think it's safe, like we talked about. And so the doctor even says that she can go home, and she's like treading water a little bit. Yeah. I remember that kind of being that feeling weighty because, like, you put yourself in Sandy's shoes, and your wife just like you would think she would want nothing more to get this behind her and then go home to you, but she doesn't. And it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of heavy. Well, it's like, I mean, who's given the hand chops in the Cohen household? Sandy by himself. Yeah. He's, he's been ready. practicing all of his life. He's, uh, he's, he's ready for her to come home. Another character who we've talked about in a big way, Tate Donovan is back. Uh, he's just been gone for like all of season two because he stole everyone in the county's money. The, or- the county of Orange, all their money has been stolen by Jimmy Cooper or invested poorly. Mm-hmm. And into some horrible stocks. Yep. <laughs> and I, I, he also did have a Ponzi scheme going on, correct? I'm uh-huh. pretty sure he was. I think he did. Um, I don't, I'm trying to remember the exact details. Basically, for the listeners, just picture Jimmy Cooper taking all of his best friend's money and just lighting it on fire. Right. Illegally. <laughs> Illegally. Yeah. He wasn't even lighting it on fire legally, he was doing it. In the most illegal way possible. He didn't get a burn permit, so he's also going to jail. Yeah, so I think he just skipped town, if I recall. And in in season three, episode one, Caleb has just died, and that's who was married to his, his wife, Julie Cooper. And Caleb was the richest dude in the world, so Jimmy, I guess, just came back to, like, mooch on that will? I guess. I'm, Piggyback yeah, some I'm, of that money? That prenup money the only thing that makes sense because um i mean obviously he's not a great decision maker but like starting over is one thing with your whole new life but going back to square one with your wife who is basically a um a villain yeah just seems weird it's a weird move yeah yeah it it was uh clearly like it was just fitting that he came back it was just a classic jimmy cooper move like yeah no one knows why you're here but it's probably shady and you're probably here to just get free money he's just so he just predictably always does the absolute worst thing yeah 
I can't even say he has like a heart of gold because I'm not sure if he does. Like, I think his wife is like a bitch on the exterior and she's like the so manipulative, but, but deep down she always ends up doing the right thing. Whereas Jimmy Cooper, it's like, he doesn't always end up to, I think it's opposite. He's got like a, everyone loves him. He's Jimmy Cooper, man. Everyone loves him. He's cool as fuck. And then like deep down, he's burning all your money. It's an instinctual call. It's like, um, basically you probably got kicked out of whatever community he was in while he was on the lam. And then it's like, he catches wind that his ex-wife's husband died. And so it's like this instinctual drive to be like, Oh, obviously I got to slide back in on that. <laughs> it just reminded me where he went when he was on the lam. I, I he went with his ex-girlfriend's younger sister. Who's like at least 10 years younger than him because she got a job in Hawaii and he just like he just piggybacked on that opportunity and went with his ex-girlfriend and now neighbor and best friend's younger sister to Hawaii like <laughs> but let's let's uh get out of the cuz we're going to get into some deep in um later in this episode but there is a little comic relief in the middle of this episode core 4 decides they're going to get away dude things are things are tough you know, school's about to start back up. Marissa just killed a guy almost. <laughs> and it's just time to just get away. And they go to, where did they go? Where was that? Um, well, they got on a boat and then they just went out. I don't know if it was Catalina or what. I think what, it was Catalina, just, yeah. It was. They just went out to uh, some kind of like beachy island place. Yeah. Just to chill because it was like, yeah, we'll just go there, have a bonfire, fuck around. I actually thought there were two clips I wanted to play because as we're like being light with this little comic relief moment, there's two clips that happened at the beach, which I'm convinced were ad libs that I just <laughs> want to toss in as a couple nuggets. Here they are. Cooper's got a nice boat, huh? Yeah, it's amazing what laundered money can buy. You know, Cohen, with your two hands on the wheel and the wind blowing through your hair, you actually look kind of hot. I mean, yeah, Summer, you have a weekend for semen. Ew, Cohen. Then there's that. Uh, well, if this is as good as it gets for a while. That's pretty good. Yeah. Thanks for almost getting my bathing suit wet, Cohen. My pleasure. Cohen. Can't believe that you did that, Cohen. <laughs> and tomorrow. It's like Cohen. Yeah, Anyways. Nice. There's also some like some like ad lib, like frolicking, like where you could tell the director was just like, all right, just go frolic in the surf. And yeah. the four of them were just, it was kind of awkward. It was like basically Ryan, like picking up various characters and like threatening them to throw them in the water. And it just seemed a little stilted. <laughs> uh, I wrote that down too. I said, weird move by buttons because in that moment where the director's like, hey, just we're going to be playing music. You guys kind of mess around a little bit. Grab ass. He grab <laughs> ass with Summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he kept picking up summer and i just kept thinking like oh that's a weird move like say if if it was me my wife anna you and your wife the intern whitney and we were out on the beach and like we just started like you know kicking the water and we were somersaults on the in the sand into the water and then i just grabbed intern whitney and i was like shaking her putting her over my head and stuff and you and anna were just kind of like watching yeah it's a weird move I, but by the way yeah i guess I, i'll just i promise i never i will never pick up your wife yeah i mean she'd probably love it 
but <laughs> it would be a little weird for me watching it. <laughs> um, by the way, I do have to say, um, these are some of my favorite episodes in the series. When the, pre- the episode previous is like really heavy and weighty and crazy yeah. stuff's happening. And then there's just this drop off where it just becomes tranquil and chill, like the fallout from it where this episode is pretty lighthearted for the most part. Um, and it's almost just like a decompression from the serious drama. Like everybody's pretty much getting along. Nobody's like going through breakup drama. Like if anything, seemingly Marissa and Ryan are starting to get some sparks going again. Mm-hmm. It's just like kind of a overall layback episode. It's a good point because the show is so weighty at times that it is like that relief of just like, and, and the show does, Josh Schwartz does a really good job of like serious, serious, serious. Okay. Like, give the audience a, a, a breath like let them yeah, breathe exactly. a little bit it's honestly my biggest the, the biggest reason why i cannot still to this day watch the show 24 is because it's constant there's never any relief the backdrop of the show before it goes to commercial is a clock ticking down constantly. <laughs> yeah. and i can't it's too fucking much it's too much of like stressful and a heart heart attack so I like on those see that it's like, all right, pull back, like you said. Yeah, like just every once in a while, yeah. it's a really nice like palate cleanser, a little change of pace. Like obviously, I couldn't watch a TV show where it's just like four teenagers hanging out and having a good time and no dramas involved. Right. But when there's too much drama involved, I need a little, need a little break. I need some joviality every now and then. And when that when that's happening, you always get the sense that like this, we're in the eye of the storm. Yeah, like this that's is, a good point. You know it's calm. very short. It's going to be very short-lived. And in this episode, the same thing happened because when they get back from Catalina Island, Trey wakes up from that fortuitous coma. <laughs> right, thank you. This, this was just classic Julie Cooper. Like, classic. If you want to... Just talk about about the most like on brand thing in the world. It was it was Julie Cooper in this episode when Trey wakes up and the first thing she does is she goes and sees him because she's gonna offer him a deal clip. Look at you lying there all helpless. Unable to stop me from doing whatever I wanted to. Kind of like the night you tried to rape my daughter. Which is why you're gonna help me. In exchange, I'm prepared to compensate you. How does twenty thousand dollars sound? <laughs> what do you want? Three simple words. Repeat after me, Trey. Ryan shot me. Twenty K to pin the Ryan sh- uh, the shooting the Trey shooting on Ryan versus Marissa and it's just ruthless that is such a good point by you because she is just so comfortable in that moment like she was born to be in a hospital room threatening someone with a pillow <laughs> yeah like she's gonna suffocate him if she doesn't if he doesn't lie under oath. look Julie Cooper is always playing hardball she's yeah. never playing softball yeah. And I guess my the question I wrote down was 
is Julie Cooper the worst human being in the entire world, or is she actually in a fucked up way, like literally the best mom in the entire world? <laughs> because <laughs> she is trying to get her daughter off of attempted manslaughter. So just how she's doing it is fucked. I mean, yeah, solid mom. I think, uh, yeah, you make a good point. You do anything to protect your kids. But yeah, she's bad. She's evil. She's, bad. <laughs> she's, she's evil. Bad she's Let's evil just say as her fuck. moral compass is a little compromised. She's evil as fuck, but in no way, shape, or form would I give her the MCITW on this episode. Who would you give it to? I decided when I was doing this where I was like, you know what? It's a positive uh, podcast. We're celebrating episode 100. We're getting back. We're going home. We're celebrating our roots, and it's a positive vibe. So I'm not going to give an MCITW. For the first and only time on this podcast, I am going to give an MCITB, and that is the Marissa Cooper is the best of the week. And it's her one and only time because Trey takes the deal and that Marissa's mom offered him 20K to burn Marissa. She goes to the hospital in her her candy stripe outfit and she pulls one of the coolest hero moves of all time. So the MCITB on this podcast, this episode, one time only, it is brought to you by Wicklowware. W-I-C-K-L-O-W-Ware. Be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at Wicklowware.com. Type in the promo code BL. Check out 10% off your order kits. $30 on the baseball tees, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts, $20 on the tanks. Go to our Instagram. Get all the swag. It goes to Marissa, but it's in a good way. She shows up, puts on that candy striper outfit, sneaks into the hospital room, and totally fucking redeems herself. Clip. You couldn't finish the job. So you do remember it was me who shot you? <laughs> I'm trying to protect you. Protect me? By blaming Ryan? I'm sorry, Marissa. For, for everything. I just didn't know how to make it right. If you want to make it right, then there's only one thing for you to do. We have one of the first times I've ever seen that Marissa like sacrifices herself for like a cool move. Yeah. I mean, that's usually something we see Ryan Atwood doing for her. So for her to like reciprocate, it was cool. She went full hero mode. It was awesome to see. Yeah. So I wanted to do it. Look, Misha Barton, she, she's had a tough past, (laughs) especially (laughs) on this podcast. We've been very hard on her. Um, Right, right, right. When you met her, she didn't help her cause. No, 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 she didn't. But, I think it's like cool, like you know, it's 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 podcast a hundred. <laughs> so yeah, it's podcast a cool. hundred, dude. That, I feel like that was super generous and super fitting. All yes. positive on one hundred. All positive. So with that, we will say Marissa Cooper, one time, one time only. Be free and explore, and don't get fucked. We like you for doing this cool thing. 
You know who could get the MCITW in a real way is Jimmy Cooper because the shit I loved when he sat down with Sandy at the end of this episode and it was like Sandy just calling him on all of his bullshit. (laughs) It's like, dude, I don't know. He listed, he just listed out, I can't remember, but he listed out everything Jimmy did and then he ended it with like, and why are you back here? Like your your (laughs) wife's husband dies and then boom, you're all of a sudden you're just here. (laughs) It's his his instinct. I can answer that for you, Sandy. I don't think Jimmy has that inner voice in his head that tells him like, like what to do and what's fucked up. Yeah. When, when all of us would have that voice in our head saying like, dude, if you do show up, understand there will be thoughts that people have about you based on how you left that will still be there because you haven't done anything to change those thoughts. So there's going to be a little like some wounds that you've got to heal. And he's just like, no, what? I I just show up. Right. And get all this money. So, so fellas. Yeah. So it's just, Jimmy Cooper is just, Maybe I should do that. Is maybe I shouldn't just always give it to Marissa because as long as Jimmy Cooper's in the mix, like God, he's always fucking sucking. <laughs> always. All right. What else happens? Um, is there anything else? I did love, obviously, that Sandy is representing Marissa and potentially Ryan. Like that's classic. Oh, that yeah, he's everyone's lawyer. Just basically, yeah, he's everyone's lawyer. Just like just taking on a pro bono murder case, like it's no big deal. As a public defender, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it little fun. side of desk work, you know. It, it's funny. It's my dad. My dad never watched the OC, but it's one of those things where he would like walk by the room when it would be on, and his only takeaway that he ever had on the show was, "Oh, there's uh, there's Sandy. I'm gonna guess he's everyone's lawyer again." <laughs> <laughs> he just knew like that this guy, no matter what, if something goes down, it, it could be murder, it could be insurance fraud, it could it could be as white collar or as shitty of a crime as, as you get. He's he's an expert and he's gonna be your lawyer. Um uh, there was a moment in the hospital that I want to talk about because I know we give this show a lot of shit for being cheesy from time to time. Yeah. And we celebrate like Friday Night Lights for having all the cool cinematography and things. But there's a moment in the hospital that I thought was an, like an awesome piece of work where <clears throat> Ryan's standing there and he's basically in between, um, I think it was either Seth or Marissa and Marissa's getting interviewed by the police and Trey is on the hospital bed and the 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 doctors and the nurses are working on him and they're like, he's not responding, blah, 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 blah. And then the camera kind of like zooms out and the sound gets a little wonky a little bit and the camera's fuzzy. And it's right before Ryan faints where like as the viewer, it feels like nothing is real. And I thought that was super cool because we're like seemingly when like when shit goes down, that's literally how it feels. You feel yeah. like you're just out of your body. And I thought that was an awesome scene. Is this at the very beginning you're talking about? It's at the very beginning. Yeah. He ends up fainting at the end of the scene, and then the transition in the next scene is him waking up in bed. Yeah, it's like a very it's like they do a really good job in those scenes of making you feel overwhelmed. Yeah. And it's like you can't even 
you're like not even processing correctly because so much fucked up shit is happening. It's kind of been like all of 2020 where there's <laughs> so much bad happening that you always feel like you're going to pass the fuck out. And yeah, it, yeah so we, it, that is kind of true. We should just like put that editing lens over like our eyes for all of 2020 where it's like got a bluish hue. Yep. Like a constant ringing in the background of like, and it's like, I can't feel my hands or my arms and I can't talk. I don't know what's going on. Right. And it's, it's just, everything sucks ass and your body just decides like the only way to now handle this is to just shut down and pass out. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's too much. So Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up and this will just end us plot wise for the episode is the, the ending. So Marissa does the hero move of getting Trey to confess, not confess necessarily, but basically tell the DA and the police that Marissa was the one that shot him. Ryan is totally off the hook. Um, yep. And Marissa will have a, some kind of a self-defense case. But anyways, the end of the episode is Trey leaving town on a Greyhound bus and Ryan standing outside of said bus and the song Blue Light by Black Party is playing. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of those classic leaving on the bus episodes. Oh yeah, this to me is a staple, and it was so perfect. It was a perfect way for Trey to leave. So to your point, songs playing, Blue Light, Block Party, a, a, a classic OC band, and yeah, I thought it was so fitting of a way for Trey to leave once he left the hospital and he was just going to bounce from Orange County. No words, no words need to be spoken, like. If you remember back in season one, when Don Atwood bounced in episode three of season one after the casino debacle, there were no words spoken. She said goodbye to Kirsten Cohen, and then she got in a cab, and like Ryan just saw her as she was leaving, and he like just waved, and she waved, no words, no hug, no I love you, just bounce. And they did the same thing here, where it was like no words, it was just a look between two Atwoods, yeah. understanding exactly what the fuck was happening. Wave, see ya forever. It's just such classic imagery. I mean, everybody's been in that situation where somebody drives away. Um, the song by Block Party is called Blue Light. There's even a Robert Johnson, who's a famous blues musician, song called Love in Vain, where the lyric is, the blue light was my blues and the red light was my mind. It's basically about a train leaving and he's just standing there at the station watching someone drive away. Oh, whoa. Like that. Whoa. Shit. Yeah, because I totally didn't know what those words meant until you explained them. Then it's like so true. Fuck. That's deep. Yeah, that's... uh, Yeah, that's... And that was the way they... It was interesting. It's like, I don't know why they didn't end the episode there because it was so powerful. It was so magical. That song is so great, to your point. So much hidden meaning in all the words. And it was the perfect yeah, You know, like you get a look and then all you get is the taillights of the bus or the train or whatever. And you just stand there like, 
Well, uh, yeah. And then Sandy came over and put his arm around him. And, and it was, again, it was like this feeling of like, that's your past, dude. He's your brother, but he's not your family. I'm your family, son. You know? I would totally, by the way, I would totally take Sandy over Trey in terms of family members. Right. Yeah. Sandy hasn't, <laughs> Sandy hasn't tried to kill Ryan Atwood at this point. Uh, Trey has tried to kill him like 10 times. Or, or Sandy has yet to, I don't know, there hasn't been a season five, but Sandy has yet to try to sexually assault Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Who knows? They may make an OC movie or something, and that could be a key, like really a twist in, in the, the OC <laughs> movie 20 years later is... Yeah, Sandy Cohen tries to uh, sex. He brings her back from the dead and then sexually yeah, assaults yeah, yeah. her. I, let's just end it there because I wish the show, they did this like little button on the end of the episode where like they ended it at a lifeguard stand with Ryan and Marissa of kind of like a feeling of like, well, fuck. Like what now? Like now what? But, um, and it was kind of like a, a foreshadowing of things to come for the season of like, it's kind of them against the world in this whole season. And they're at that point now, again, the calm before the storm where you don't know like what's to come, what's going to, what's going to be the aftermath or the fallout now from all this shit that just went down. So we'll see who is your MVP of this getting back to the OC episode 100 I've been scrambling because, as you might have guessed, you kind of stepped on it. It was going to be Marissa. <laughs> For obvious reasons, she completely crushed as the hero of this episode. I did I did totally step on that by giving her the best uh, character of the... But I'm glad we synced yeah, up. In the spirit of full positivity, maybe we just give her two awards. Like, she's double decorated. Yeah, I mean, look, Marissa, she deserves it. She's gotten a whole lot of shit on this podcast. <laughs> By the way, looking like looking super good in that candy striper outfit. She's looking real good in this season three. I mean, they, the first scene was her and Summer in bikinis, just like chilling out like, by the pool. And it was like, like right, like post murder. Yeah, like just post murder glow. Well, yeah. I mean, even after you murder people, it's not like that tan is going to give itself to you. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Still got to work um, for that tan. And obviously, as always. That MVP going to Marissa Cooper is going to be going to the entire industry of Japanese denim. Mm, yeah, they have not gotten a lot of love recently. So, yeah, good. The softest, most stylish jeans you could possibly put on your legs. Yep. Yep. Japanese made, podcaster approved. Like we like to say around here, they're the best. Um, yeah, dude, I, it's, it's, I think it's good. We'll give it to Marissa, but Marissa, don't get used to it. Because we are going to, on this podcast, probably get back to shitting on you aggressively <laughs> as we move through the rest of this season three. So as we wrap it up, I said it in the intro, um, so I'll just reiterate it now. Wanted to do the OC for episode 100. Schedule is going to be a little wonky over the next few weeks. We're going to do some live episodes on the boys, maybe do a movie. And then in a few weeks, get back to our bread and butter. We'll revisit. We'll come back to the OC. We'll finish this whole season three by going through the rest of it. Do it right. But for right now, we know, kids, you are getting tired. It's a sleepy time for the kids. So, kids, while you're sleeping tight, while you're tucking in, we will tell you, Pat. Your eyes. 
Full hearts. Do less, kids. Do way less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.